everybody. Welcome to the Phil Crossfire Podcast. I'm your host, Mike. <laughs> and this is always awkward. I'm the co-host, Kurt. Why is it always awkward? I don't you know. make it awkward. <laughs> <laughs> Why is your mustache on the microphone? Because I haven't trimmed it in like two months, so it's a big nappy like thing on my face. It looks face. like a caterpillar. Yeah. I like it. So, you know, <laughs> that sounded really weird. <laughs> Where's your mind? I feel like I feel like you were like I like it like cuz you felt it or something. <laughs> oh, well, that, that was your words. I felt, yeah. Yeah. Uh, All just, right. Yeah. yeah. Anyways, let's we get digress. let's get to our sponsors. We digress. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, you know, we are in the Skillset studio, so this podcast is always sponsored by Skillset. Because uh, Skillset has a magazine, and they're buddies of ours, and we uh, abuse and use their studio. <laughs> Not abuse it, but we use it. Yeah, <laughs> we, we, we definitely use it. Uh, it's Our podcast analytics have gone through the roof because people can hear us. And not other things like cars driving by, Pearl licking <laughs> licking me, yeah, um, eating peanut butter, somebody flushing a you. toilet, <laughs> yeah, somebody flushing a toilet. <laughs> um, but you know, you guys can check out uh, skill set. They have obviously social media. Just Google skill set. Uh, they're all over the place. They're all over our, our social media. But they have also a podcast and podcast. Yeah, but they they have a great podcast and also a great magazine, which I am a contributor to. Um, I got a little three-page spread, and I even did a teaser the other day. I'm going to do my next uh, my next three pages on next issue on overlanding. I was going to be a smartass. I'm like, are you writing an article on the negative effects of fast food? <laughs> <laughs> wow. Where did that come? That and was, dude, I brought that weight. Damn, that was a haymaker. Damn, I'm sorry. A, and you looked at I'm my la- stomach I'm when laughing, you said that. No, I'm laughing because like, I was because teasing you. Because it's true? On, I was teasing you on the podcast. Dude, I've been hungry lately, man. I'm bulk yeah. phase. Bulk you phase. keep making these jokes, and then I just follow up on them. I sorry. know. I like it, though. <laughs> Back to skill set. <laughs> yeah. After that abuse. Um, you know, skill set mag, www.skillsetmag.com. We give coupon codes because we're we're uh, very giving <laughs> and uh philcraft 10 is 10 percent off a magazine my whole thing with magazines look you could go to barnes and noble get a uh coffee relax read the magazines and never pay for them like i do or you could subscribe <laughs> and have them delivered and read them in the convenience of your own home or your own rv for some yeah no it's uh it's cool so hard copy or online right Skill set mag. That's what I just said, Kurt. So, yeah. I was just backing you up. Sorry. <laughs> well, it's good to know you always have my. That's six. how I jump in on the. Uh, yeah, that's how I jump in to support you. <laughs> that bang you drank. It's like you should be sponsored by Bang. <laughs> oh man. Okay, yeah. so Roca eyewear. You know Rob uh, from Roca, good buddy of ours. But you know the best glasses that um, we've seen out of the military because we wear um, Oakley. We wear Oakley all the time. But you know when you're when you're performing and you're doing like uh, a lot of high performance stuff that includes oh yeah brother uh, running and gunning those in there <laughs> yeah <laughs> running and gunning uh rucking hunting all the stuff you need uh glasses that are going to stay your face you don't feel like they're falling off your face i like roca roca roca.com look they have a coupon code for 15% off at philcraft 15 uh it's 15% off store wide as well hell yeah uh cool clothing we are sponsored by cool Cool.com. Use the coupon code FCSH. That's Foxtrot Charlie Sierra Hotel. Free ship for free shipping <laughs> off of cool.com. That was a Foxtrot. <laughs> I, dude, I can't stop wearing I sleep in cool clothing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> My wardrobe is nothing but cool, though. 
I like it. Oh gosh. And you're not wearing. Cool I, at there's, all. I'm thinking of like ten things to tease you about. But anyway, I know right. you're on the tease on to the train. Next, the tease train. <laughs> <laughs> you're. Uh, you're going to get the train later. Um, <laughs> talking, speaking about the Overland stuff that we have going on with uh, skill set. I'm doing the article on our actually next Overland adventure with uh, one of the companies that we work with. Um, but recently, we just got back from uh, Southern California. The only reason we'd be there is to meet with partners and friends. Yeah. I want to talk about Belt. Yeah. Belt. Yeah. So uh, we just uh, basically just got a, uh, some bumpers, armor. All of our armor actually is made by a company called Pelfrey Built. They're based out of El Cajon, California. They are uh, a strategic partner, uh, business partner. So they are not a sponsor. We're not ambassadors. They're a strategic business partner. They believe in Fieldcraft, and they uh, believe so much in Fieldcraft that you know they agreed to making sure that we were allo- we were allowed to give a code to get uh, 10% off of their product as well. Um, and that code is Fieldcraft. Um, if you have any questions, you can hit up Pelfrey Built at info at pelfreybuilt.com. And, uh, you know, Satin and Tyler and Mike and everybody in the shop, super awesome people, got a chance to be there for about a week and see the type of work that they're doing, the craftsmanship that goes into, uh, you know, the bumper builds, the skid plates, all that stuff. And those guys are top-notch, guys and gals are top-notch, and we are extremely appreciative to have them in our network of uh, professional businesses that support us. Yeah, pelfreybuilt.com. Love the lines, love the utility of it, and uh, I love the fact that I saved like a 1,000 pounds off my rig. Yeah. Instead of 14 <laughs> miles per gallon, I'm getting 15. Yeah. So that's yeah. a great increase. <laughs> so thanks, Pelfrey. Um, also, and uh, finally, uh, but not least important, is uh, Boss Strongbox. Yep. American-made, 16-gauge steel, three-point locking system, single-key entry. Look, if you want to lock away something and not allow anybody to get access to it ever. My favorite um, was you said it took a special operations breacher to get into it. Absolutely, it did. That was me, and I just used a key. I just opened the the box. (laughs) You were working smarter, not harder. That's true. I have the key to my strong box. Low-vis breaching. Low-vis breaching called a key. (laughs) Um, But, you know, what's cool is uh, Gun Fu is running uh, one of the the larger boxes in his uh, new cruiser, which is not new, but it's new because it's getting repaired and um, getting fixed. Uh, But his 80 is getting hooked up. And then you guys can uh, check out their website at bossstrongbox.com. It's it's veteran-owned and operated. Uh, also use Philcraft, one word, for a coupon code to save 25%. That's pretty good. That's a huge discount. Yeah. I mean, cool. look, when you're spending money to, to secure your belongings, whether that's in your house, uh, your workplace, your vehicle, uh, you want the best. This stuff is used by the FBI, by Marshal Services, by Border Patrol, Um, I'm a big fan. Also, I'm a big fan because these guys, just like most of our strategic partners, support um, the nonprofits that we work with. Gold Star Teen Adventures, the Green Beret Foundation, a whole bunch of guys and gals that we believe in to help people who are less fortunate. Absolutely. Yeah. Especially giving back to the communities of uh, guys that made us who we were So, and their families. And all these companies are extremely motivated about helping out and making sure that they're taking care of that community as well. So that's uh, that's like the extra bonus out of all this. So when you spend your money, uh, some of that money is going to one of those nonprofits, which is cool. Yeah, Roka, all these guys are doing the same thing. So yep, I appreciate it from our, our sponsors. So on this podcast, we're going to have a hunter um, named Ronnie Michael. He's a true badass. I mean, this dude's a fighter. Uh, would knock me the f out, and then. Yeah. Uh, 
um, also a well-established hunting guide in Arizona, and he has some a lot of epic things going on, and we hope uh, we get the opportunity to hunt with him, uh, but we definitely have him here in the studio on the podcast. Yeah, he had a pretty interesting background, so I'm excited to talk to him and hear about how his fighting experience kind of led into being a professional guide in the hunting uh, arena, and then, um, yeah, man, he's got some crazy stories, so this should be interesting. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. So here we go. Welcome to the Philcraft Survival Podcast. I'm your host, Mike. <laughs> I feel like we're getting ready to start like a Reading Rainbow episode or something, or you're like Mr. Rogers, like chiming in. That was a Star <laughs> Trek dude. You know that, right? The Reading Rainbow guy? We're here in the Fieldcraft Survival Studio with Skillset Podcast. Skillset, um, this is, uh, we've actually bummed the studio today again. Yeah. And we are very <laughs> thankful. We're always thankful when uh, Skillset lets us bum their studio. Yeah, it rocks. Yeah, we only had to clean the entire studio prior to coming. That's our little trade-off. Yeah. Actually, we have to scrub the shitter with a toothbrush because Jason, you know, he's a former Marine, so Dude, he's into like... He's gunny. Yeah, he's gunny. Gunny highway or... <laughs> <laughs> highway throwback. Um, so today... Uh, we're oh, yeah, we're introducing the podcast. We I are introducing the podcast. <laughs> yeah. um, no, we always like to be in the skill set studio because uh, Ben on the ones and twos, it makes it sound <laughs> yeah. amazing. And we have skills. And Ben's got skills. We have skills. No, Jason has skills. No doubt. Skill set. This is better than an <laughs> iPhone recording. Yeah. Um, so, you know, today's podcast, we have a very special guest, courtesy of uh, GunFu. Uh, Gunfu's buddy, Ronnie Michael, is actually, uh, I would say, world-renowned. Is that something? Is that a thing that we do? <laughs> I don't know. If you, wanna, <laughs> if you want to say that, yeah. I'll say world-renowned. <laughs> um, world-renowned hunter. And, you know, he's a guide uh, that uh, is here in Arizona. And, you know, me and Kurt with Phil Craft Survival have always talked about getting into hunting because, I mean, this is the basic principle uh, aligns with the values that we put out uh, all the time, you know, you know whether it's self-reliance, uh, taking care of your family, protecting, defending. I think it's one of those things that, you know, we've gotten more into, obviously, because we have time. Instead of hunting terrorists overseas, uh, we have the opportunity now to, to feed our families and to take these opportunities to learn from great hunters like Ronnie Michael. So, uh, Ronnie Michael, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. <laughs> thanks so much for being here, man. I, I know uh, we talked a little bit, we chatted a little bit before, but you have a uh, you've migrated everything to Instagram, and you have uh, Instagram called Rutten Hard. It's R U T N H A R D, and I was stalking you yeah. uh, <laughs> on the shitter this morning. Yeah. Which typically, you were sending them DMs. I sent them DMs. Like, what's like, up, Hardy Face? Hey, Ronnie, <laughs> <laughs> I, dude. I was impressed uh, by your account and everything that encompasses that account, from the education um, to showing. Uh, the ethical kill of animals to showing like the big bulls that exist here in Arizona, which is something that's new to us. Yeah, Arizona has some of the best animals to hunt. It's one of the sought after states. It's it's a good place to start your hunting career. Now cool. we we came from Colorado, and we thought that's where the big bulls were. Yeah, no, Arizona has the big bulls. There's some big bulls in Colorado, but Arizona Arizona's known for big bulls. Really? Yeah. Like record-breaking big yeah. bulls? Elk, yeah, I think, elk is in big I bulls. think when we were in Colorado, the way it was described to me was New Mexico and Arizona had the record-breaking bulls, and then southwestern Colorado was just a big kind of migratory path where a lot of the elk passed through, but the big, the big guys hang out in New Mexico and Arizona. 
Yeah, that's right. That's awesome. Ronnie, you know, give us uh, give us your background, man. You, I know you have a, a pretty crazy in-depth background because you've done a lot of things in your life, including fighting yeah. uh, MMA to training and uh, leading up to you guiding in, on the hunting industry. So give us some background, man. So I grew up um, <clears throat> with my dad and my uncles and cousins, and we, like, every year, you know, we go hunting. We'd put in, um, get drawn for the, the hunt where you could just – you could get you could get the tag every year, and so we'd go out and first animal we saw we'd shoot. You know, like it was just six, seven of us out there, and if, if a bull stepped out with little antlers, three inches, there's six of us competing to get it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so it's the fastest, quickest here could get it. Yeah. Um, and as we got as I got older, um, the the ch- it changed to wanting to like more like put more time into this and, and start I became a trophy hunter the craft right it's yeah. like the craft behind what you're doing yeah and w- like I appreciated the meat you know because that's what you're doing really meat hunting when we were younger and just being out in the woods which is awesome yeah and just being with the wildlife and stuff but um in 2004 I drew an, an, an elk tag an archery elk tag and I've hunted every year up to then but I was what hunters call like a weekend warrior hunter where you just you get drawn you grab your weekend warrior you go up for the weekend and you hunt, <laughs> you know, and that's it. You don't scout. You don't put any time in. And um, so in 2004, when I drew the drew the Unit 1 early archery tag, um, that was uh, – I, I realized what I had. You know, most people it takes 10, 12 years to draw that tag. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to go up there, and I'm going to – So that's a prime that's a hunting prime spot. Hunt, a prime okay. hunting spot, yeah. So, like, I got all the videos, you know, and I watched all the videos of all the guys that were hunting elk. You know, I got every call that they made on the market. I went to Walmart, bought every single call. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> Primo's hunting made one called the Hoochie Mama, and it's a, it's a little call, and you just push it. And it What's like, it? It's called the Hoochie Mama. The Hoochie Mama. Yeah. yeah. What is it that when you call, when it when you use that call? Is it like hey? Yeah. Basically, it's like hey, I'm over here. <laughs> the bull. Yeah. The bull comes. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> the Hoochie Mama. And it was crazy because this Hoochie Mama was like it was pretty cool. Um, the first time I went out, and I. I squeezed it, you know, and it's like, this bull comes running in. I'm in a tree, and it's screaming its head off, and it's like eight yards from me. What? And it, it was pre, it was pre-rut, so hits my name, rutting hard, rutting hard. You know, it's making when the animals are breeding, right? And it's when the bulls get real stupid because they're they're trying to breed. Um, so it was before the rut, it really kicked on. So when the bulls start moving to their rutting ground, so the bulls and the cows usually are around the same areas. So the bulls are looking for the cows. They they, they're in the canyons. They're in the deeper, nastier country. The cows are on the open where you can drive down the road and see them. Yeah. So the bulls are coming out trying to find them. Um, and so when you hit that hoochie mama back then, the bulls would come screaming, running in. You know, and it, it was pretty cool. Preseason, that is. As the hunt started, I was blowing all those calls every day, and nothing really happened. I mean, I get a couple of little tiny bulls. But I knew I had a premium tag, and I, yeah. from the videos, I'm like, <laughs> I want one of those big bulls. Yeah. The horns that go as tall as me. You know, I want one of those. So I waited, and I hunted and hunted. And it's like maybe a weekend, I uh, met up with my cousin and a family member of his, his brother-in-law, that hunt all, hunted all the time. And he, he grabbed them. He goes, I'll take you out, but let me see all your calls. And he gave, I gave him all my calls, and he... He threw them in the garbage. <laughs> I feel like I feel like he was like looking at each one. He like he made the call and he's like, nope. Throws it over the back of his shoulder. Like next, next. Yep. <laughs> right, right. So basically, that's what he did. He, he grabbed them all and threw them in the garbage. He's like you don't need no calls. And then he got a little bottle of the wind checker. And it's basically it checks your wind to see which way your wind's blowing. Okay. And he goes, this is all you need. And so then we we went out um, and it was crazy, man. We were seeing bulls every day, lots of bulls. Like we're running them down. So it was now it's about conditioning, being in shape. 
and uh, you know, 13 miles in the morning running. Wow. So, yeah, and just checking wind. So and, this is serious, man. This yeah. isn't like you know you hop out of your vehicle and then you're just chilling and then you know like it's easy. Right. Yeah. It was like maybe three more days in because um, it's a two week hunt. I shot a bull, uh, a giant bull. Yeah. And uh, it was a bad shot. They were fi- two bulls were fighting. I snuck right in on them. I was about 45 yards, and then they started fighting. They they almost took me over. You know, they ran towards me with their horns locked. Wow. Got about 15 yards. So this is a pretty, I mean, that experience uh, is a pretty intense one, I can imagine. It's really intense, yeah. yeah. And especially when they start running towards you, you kind of freak out. You're like, oh, no, these things are a lot bigger. You yeah. Know? And uh, I was trying to figure out which one was the big one because their horns were locked. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm, like, asking my cousin. So I'm like, which one, the one on the right or the left? And, he, and I was aiming at the one on the right, and I had him dialed. Like, he was going to be drilled at 15 yards. How do you miss? With the, this is with my bow. So this is archery. And right then he's like, it's the one on the left. Well, they were moving at the same time as I, I switched from the one on the right, went to the left, uh, shot him in the back, which you don't ever want to do on an animal. You you know you want to make it a quick, clean kill. Right. And uh, I spent the rest of the hunt looking for that bull, never found him. Found some blood and stuff, but never found him. So I was like, I was so disappointed that I didn't right. harvest the animal that I'm like, I'm never going to let that happen again. Right. So every year after that, um, I've you know I, every season, it's September for elk, um, they go in the rut. I'll go, I, I'll chase them. Even if I don't have a tag, I'll grab a video camera Yeah, and I'll run and chase them down, you know, and check my wind and just practice getting in on them, closing the distance. It's like fighting. They say closing the distance is the most important part. Right. Same with elk. Yeah. You know, that last hundred yards and it's like, you can get caught on the way in and yeah. both way in the fighting and in, and chasing an elk and can get caught. You got to be careful closing the distance. Most people, when they hear the elk and they're sneaking in on them at a hundred yards, they freeze. Yeah. And the elk turns and goes opposite way and, and gets quiet. And so that last, you know, 100 yards, uh, I, I move in fast and quick and try to get into with, within 30, 40 yards and make a clean, efficient kill. Yeah, I feel like uh, based off of what you're describing, like you've got to be, at that point, you're committed, so you've got to be decisive and make it happen. Right. You just can't freeze up. Everybody freezes up. I yeah. Mean, and I did too forever, but when I got the camera in my hand, it was like, if I blow it, I blow it. If right, I blow yeah. the stock, I blow it. Who cares? It's a camera. I just want to get video of them so I can show everybody. Yeah, you nice. know? So as I got closer, you know, we were at a camp, I remember, um, with a bunch of guys, and I told everybody, I was, I'm, I'm going to slap a bull on the butt tonight. And everybody's <laughs> like, yeah, right, yeah, right. And I'm like, no, I'm going to. Like, I'm going to. So uh, me and a family, uh, a friend, family friend, um, we went out, and uh, I got my cell phone out, and we're chasing these bulls, and I can, you know, I cut them off because you usually work the side of them and cut him as they're moving. They're, they're always moving. They're not standing still elk. They're always going from bed. They're feeding, you know, and so as they're moving through, we're sneaking in through the cedar trees and I see the cedar tree and I get in front of it and I can hear the, the, you know, the elk walking towards me and it's moving pretty fast. So as I grab the cell phone into my right hand so I could backhand with the left hand on the the elk's butt <laughs> my i feel like this is one of those moments where you're like hold my beer right and watch <laughs> this <laughs> basically but I, I held on to my beer which, which was my cell phone <laughs> yeah. and uh right when i got the backhand up you know like you're gonna backhand something the bull was coming through the cedar tree and i was about three feet from it, so i was gonna go for the leap and hit him on the butt and i'm like this is an hour after i told these guys i was gonna do this yeah. so I'm like, well this is this is good this, is, know, this it. is good i got it this is it and so as soon as the elk is coming through the cedar tree and i'm about three feet and i'm about to go for the jump my cell phone, it's on vibrate, but it goes, oh. and the bull hears the vibration and it barrels. bells. Over. Yeah, bells. And oh. it takes, it goes right through a cedar tree, like right through a cedar tree, because I scared the crap out of it. Yeah. And I still s- swatted at it. And I, yeah, I didn't get him. I was about eight feet off that time. But 
Yeah, it was pretty fun. It was. Uh, I got close on that one. And <laughs> went back and I showed everybody. They still appreciated it. But yeah, <laughs> I was trying to show them like if you're more aggressive, you can get the. You, you can, can get close closer. the distance. Yeah, you don't yeah, have to take the, the distance quickly. Yeah, I was telling them you don't have to take a 120 yard shot. That's not an ethical shot and make a bad shot. You can get in there. And you just gotta. It's all about training, you know. Like yeah. before the before the season, you know, I'd, I'd work out. I trained harder for my uh, for my hunts than I did for my fights. You know, they call wow. me for a fight, and I'm like, sweet, I get a fight, no cops, I'm not going to go to jail. I'm, I'm <laughs> going to fight. That's how it was, you know. Yeah. Like, I was going to get 100 bucks. So since we're fight. talking about the fighting thing real quick, circling yeah. back around on your background, so yeah. you described a little bit about how you – uh, grew up hunting with your family. Um, so how did fighting kind of shape you and like what type of fighting? And so I started like maybe like sixth grade. I was like, ah, I'm going to, I'm going to do karate. You know, I watch yeah. karate kid. I watch blood sports, stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I do karate. So I started doing a, a at a dance. My, my mom would take me to the dance studio every week because my sister was a dance. Got it. And they had a karate instructor there. So I'm like, I'm going to do karate with them. So there I started you go. Doing karate, you know, yeah. It was it was a it was kind of a crazy guy, you know. He was a it was a street fighting karate. I don't know if he even knew what he was doing, but he was <laughs> he was <laughs> he was teaching us to bite and pull eyes and a bunch of weird stuff. But I mean, I was like, cool, you know, like real life stuff, you know, yeah. like, not stuff that you you know. Hey, this is how you rip. It's a choreographed yeah. dance instead of like self defense. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so I did that for a while, and then I uh, started doing some kempo karate and did some kickboxing and then um you know when they had the first ufc it was 93 i remember if right november 93 or 92 something like that um i saw hoist gracie go in there and just whoop everybody yeah it's like wow and i've been doing karate kickboxing and i had buddies that were wrestlers right and i'd go over to their house and we put gloves on and they'd take me down yeah and i couldn't do nothing and they put me in a headlock and i'd be like what the heck like i've been <laughs> training so hard yeah. i couldn't do nothing to them yeah so then i see this little guy in white pajamas you know like a gi <laughs> go out and destroy guys like ken shamrock that are just beasts like freaks. yeah, yeah and, and uh, he had a wrestling background and stuff i'm like okay i gotta go learn i gotta learn this so i bought the gracie basic videos started learning the martial arts and there was no school you know here when i started training so after school we'd go to my dad's house and um, where I lived and uh, put the video on and me and my neighbor would uh, train, you know, um, I'd grab my dad. Hey, dad, let me see your arm and check this out. And I, I remember popping my dad's capsule just because I wanted to see if it worked and it did. And he let me. I wasn't, wasn't like he was even defending. <laughs> I was like, dad, look at this. Does this work? And I pulled too hard because I didn't know what an arm bar was, you know. And so as uh, I trained with my family and friends and just different buddies, I started bringing everybody in, you know, like every wrestler I knew, every karate guy might come in. I started training with them, and then it got to a point where, like, all right, put on some gloves. All I'm going to do is jujitsu. I want you to try to knock me out. Mm -hmm. And so I give them gloves, and then I would, I, my double leg got really good really quick yeah. because some of my buddies were way bigger than me. And, <laughs> you know, if they hit me, I'm like, rocked. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to get hit and get lights out, you know, yeah. some of my buddies. I got some big ones. Um, so I would, you know, I'd learn how to get in and close that distance, like we were talking about earlier, sure. get them down and, you know, establish positioning and submit them. And so I started doing that and, and with the, watching the UFC and where it was going. And I, I, right from the beginning, thought it was called cage fighting back in the day. It wasn't mixed martial arts. It was cage fighting. And uh, I was like, I need, a, I need a cross train. And so most of the studios around here, they started having a couple studios. A guy, um, Roland Sarah, started a Bruce a gym, had some jiu-jitsu. He's a purple belt, so it wasn't a, a black belt. But, it, you know, it was all we could get. And yeah. he was pretty good. Um, and there's Megaton Diaz, but he was in Phoenix, so he's too far. He's a stud. He's still a stud. Um, 
and you know just go try to go cross train i went down to megatons a couple times i went down to Rollins all the time i went to utah train with pedro sauer he's a black belt under um hicks and gracie okay um i'd go to california to torrance and train with hoist i'd wherever i could i mean i'd be down in redondo beach yeah. training down with machado brothers and uh wherever i could go i'd go train and just you know, just get some mat time. Yeah. And then, uh, so when I was down here, I, I would not just do jujitsu. You know, I you see me down at ASU training with some of uh, the Olympic wrestlers getting tossed on my head by them, you know, because I had to learn wrestling because that's all my buddies would take me down all yeah. the time. You know? So I was like, <laughs> I got to learn how to do everything. And then I'd go train at nighttime with the, you know, the Fairtex Muay Thai gym with uh, a world champion Thai boxer. So I kind of cross trained in everything. So I was more of a mixed martial artist. I think that's why I did better in the early days. Yeah. As I, you know, I fought one guy. They said he was a Golden Gloves boxing champion, and he was an All-American wrestler. You know, and I, I almost knocked him out standing up, yeah. took him down, and submitted him in 45 seconds in the fight. Wow! But it's because they thought, oh, he's a boxer and he's a wrestler, and this guy's a jiu-jitsu guy. He is gonna mop up this jiu-jitsu guy. You know? Yeah, but, yeah. But and they, everybody, I think, was pretty surprised how quick I finished it. But I trained, and a lot of people didn't know that I trained everywhere. You know, and my the guy I trained with back in the day, Jeff Funicello, man, that guy would, he'd beat beat me down and uh, i mean <laughs> if i got if i did like if i got any trouble on the streets or anything like got in a fight and didn't do it for the right reason and he didn't yeah. even matter to him if i got in a fight on the streets i'm getting beat down. <laughs> you know so i'd show up we train at the boys and girls club in gilbert and i'd show up and he goes hey ronnie how you doing i'm like, good man he's like put your mouthpiece in better keep your chin down i'm like what's up (laughs) i heard what happened on this street and this street and i'm like okay (laughs) and i look over and one of my buddies laughing because he's like it's one of the buddies i beat up on all the time and now he's like i gotta watch you you (laughs) so he ratted me out and then so that guy sounds like he was a pretty influential role model in your life he was he lived down the street from me he was a a olympic an alternate uh, olympic wrestler he was a i think he was a brown belt in jiu-jitsu undefeated kickboxer the guy was a stud i i I compare him to like vitor belford in his prime yeah minus the the testosterone (laughs) yeah yeah. but uh yeah this guy's just a he was a stud so yeah i mean still to this day when my cousin went and fought he wouldn't go train with him the guy's just an athlete and yeah, he he. I'd come down there and he'd bring people down. He uh, they had a gym called American Pancreation down in uh, ASU, and we'd train down there. And I get to wrestle a bunch of stud wrestlers. You know, they'd always I'd always fly in the sky. So they'd always throw me on my head, but most of the time we hit the ground. I have their arm or have them in a, a chokehold or yeah. them in a leg lock, you know, yeah. something like that. And eventually, after you keep getting beat down in wrestling, eventually you start learning wrestling. You learn how to do a, a sprawl, you know. And yeah, you absolutely you know, protect yourself and d- the defense of wrestling, you know, and then I could use it against me. And, and then when I went to train at the Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu schools, well, now I've been training with a bunch of Olympic wrestlers. My base is great. Sure. So then I mopped through all the Jiu-Jitsu guys, you know, because now I have that wrestling base. And as as you see now, a lot of guys with that good wrestling base, like Chad Mendez and Ryan Bader and all these guys, they're hard to beat. Yeah. You, you, they're solid wrestlers, and then you teach them a little bit of submission, some stand-up and... What are you going to do to them? Not much. Yeah. yeah. You know, no, well, awesome. I've noticed it's it's uh it's that seems like a very tactical approach and and how you addressing it everything because you're getting the best experiences from everybody, isolating the best of the best, which is making you culminated like one of the a better fighter. Right. And so is that is that the same approach that you took? Um, from fighting and applied to, tr- to to hunting after your experience in 04? Yeah, it's just funny you say that because everybody called me a school jumper when I was training because I never stayed at one school. But I go to one gym, and back in the day, you know, I'd, I'd smoke. I'd smoke everybody. And not, not bragging. I mean, I'd, not a lot of people had a lot of experience, so I would I'd choke them all out. But 
who wants to train with people you're going to beat every day? I want to get beat up. Yeah, right. yeah. You know, because that's the only way you better, learn. If you want to yeah, get better, you surround you're gonna, yourself. You, you want to train with better yeah. people. Yeah. So that's what I did. So same with guiding. A lot of people are like, "Oh, you guided for every good guide." I'm like, "Yeah, I did. I learned a lot too." <laughs> you yeah, know, yeah, so yeah. Now I know all the spots. You know, but uh, it was and a lot in the guide and the hunting world. It's not a lot of the um, guides when you get in the business. It you know, it's it's a cutthroat business. It's money, you know, and yeah. people think you're going to make a lot of money in the hunting world, but there's not a lot of money. You know, there's a couple guys. Well, ex- explain to me what the guiding business is, because I know, I remember I, I had a uh, ex girlfriend who used to take me. F- she said, "I said, hey, you want? I want to go fishing." <laughs> she was with guiding you. you. Yeah, she was guiding me <laughs> down the wrong path. Down the, the yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I was like, hey, you know, hey, I want to go fishing. I grew up fishing. I fished every day of my life when I was a kid because my dad's <clears> like a he's now a retired fisherman. That's all he does. Um, but she was like, yeah, well, let me take you on this. We're going on this little guided commercial fishing thing. And I'm like, what does that even mean? Like, oh yeah, they bait everything for you. They put, they throw it in the water. You catch whatever you catch. They even reel it in, pull it off. And I'm like, dude, that's some yuppie shit. And I'm like, right. I'm not going to do that, <laughs> but I wanted up. Doing I was just going to ask him, like, I can imagine him like, you know, he's like, puts the arrow in your bow. He like draws it back for <laughs> yeah, you. you. I don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> you just actually like release the little thing at the back. You're like, he yes, stands behind yeah. you and hug bear hugs you. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I remember doing that experience. <laughs> he's like, I'm not going to do that. No. Well, after it was over, I actually, it took away a lot. Like I learned a lot because I was seeing what real fishermen did and 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 the professionals did to to get the best fish. Right. And it was a really good experience. And then I'm wondering, you know, whenever I hear guided hunting things, part of me cringes because I'm like, uh, but then then I realize, you know, it's just the same thing like fishing. You have to have the expert who understands the lay of the land yeah, the right. to get the big location. monsters. I yeah. mean, if you're yeah. just hunting whitetail in, the, in your backyard, that's different. But if you're trying to go after monsters, <laughs> sounds like a yeah, and most North people, Carolina hunting experience. It is it's right. like a, the deer's the size of a large dog. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> right. And the, the thing is, most of the people here in Arizona, they'll wait. Like my cousin has 23 bonus points, which means. He is well. He's got his loyalty and his hunter ed, but that's twenty one years he has not been drawn for to hunt elk. He's been waiting. So if you get that tag, and you get it in a unit, and you get a guy like me that's been living out there yeah. and knows every single animal out there because he he's a diehard and that's you know that's all he does. That's who you want to go with. Do you yeah. have like a so like in your headquarters? Do you have like a high value target list? Like I imagine like we used to keep you know the bad guy deck on the yeah. <laughs> Cletus the elk <laughs> yeah. is yeah. number one. Cletus the gigantor is going down. <laughs> like this dude drew this tag. You know, he's we, like, <laughs> well, it's funny you say that because we actually we actually name our we have our yeah, animals. I mean, we name yeah. them, and that's how you gotta keep track of them. You know, sure. like I got a, a buck we call we used to call Slice, another we called Stealer because another guide service was trying to steal them before we killed them. <laughs> And, uh, nice. you know, I was like, they snuck in on us. We had, you know, a bunch of, we have a bull, uh, a buck named Bingo. It was a buck we could never find. And we saw, when we finally found him, we're like, Bingo. You know, <laughs> yeah. like, so just, yeah. you know, we got a bunch of different names. That's awesome. Yeah, we have uh, a buck named uh, Stretch because when one of the guys took the picture, the camera looked like it, the buck looked bigger than it was. So yeah, it stretched yeah, yeah. it. Yeah. So, we, you know, we He have, was using like, uh, like Photoshop software. He's <laughs> yeah. like, check out this monster. Yeah. And you're like... No way, bro. That's not proportionate. It's that's like awesome. 10 feet long with like two inch legs. <laughs> right. <laughs> and so that's, uh, yeah, we get those names and then we follow them year after year. And there's, you know, some of these bucks we watch grow. You know, I had one buck um, I watched for like eight, nine years, you know, and, and you don't hunt them. I let them grow. So I'll go find them and um, let them get to a, mat- a mature age and yeah. then harvest them, harvest them at their fullest, you know before they go decline and fall um, victim to predation, you know, getting predators or, or a sickness. Sure. You know, something yeah. Like that. yeah. So how, how does a guided experience work? What is it? 
does somebody, I mean, how does the whole process work? Does somebody email you, they contact you, and then you set them up with their tag? Yeah. And so then they, they, you, you do the guide? Yeah, I guide for a couple different companies. So I have my own businesses here in the mm-hmm. Valley, and I have a lot of, a lot of business. Um, so I, use, I, I guide through other guide services. So I usually guide through Mossback Arizona and Pure Addiction Outfitters as the two companies. So when people call me, I usually say, call them. Because it's their companies, and you sure. subcontract and, for them, and yeah. yeah, basically just I book all of my hunts through them. Sometimes I don't take them, sometimes they do, but I if it's a family or friend, I'm always make sure I'm there or help. Um, and then they they book them. They got all the Forest Service permits and the licensing and all that. Sure, I got yeah. my guide license too, um, and then I take them out and. They get a little. They get to keep a little bit of money to pay for the bills, you know, for sure. service permit stuff, and then we go out and we work as a team, most of us, and you know. But it's like I said, we we put a lot of time in, you know, like it's a lot of work, you know, to kill big animals. You see them, um, you know, it's on the Instagram and stuff, and you see the pictures, and it's like, wow, that's cool. It's not that easy. Yeah, you know. It's oh yeah, like, that's an operation. Yeah, that's, it's an operation. Yeah. Well, you were describing it earlier. Just physically, you've got to be prepared for that hunt. Yeah, every year, like for our like to train for the hunt. Like I start, you know. I, I call December my bulking phase, you know, because you've been hunting a lot. <laughs> I'm on that all the time. Yeah. Every month is right, bulk phase right. for me. Mike's in bulking phase uh, every month of the year. It's, all right, we get it. <laughs> it's, so, it's so hard to eat healthy when you're out there, yeah. you know, because you're coming back into town at midnight, and it's like, what's open at midnight? McDonald's? Taco Bell. Taco Bell. Yep. Yeah. And so you have a Taco Bell and McDonald's, and then you're back up at 4 o'clock in the morning, and there's nothing open. So what are you eating? Donuts? Yeah, you know, and you're not, you don't. Most of the time, with us, we we don't have these nice trailers and stuff. I'm sleeping on a cot outside. Yeah, you know, or on the ground on a sleeping bag. So you know, we'll have a mountain house, you know, with the jet boil, cook it up out there, stuff like that. So we're not eating that healthy. So at the end of the hunting season, it's about end of January. Um, then I'm like, okay, I got to get back in shape. So <laughs> we all train to do a. Uh, we start training to do the Grand Canyon. We hike the Grand Canyon. A lot of us, a lot of us hunters. So we all, we do the rim to rim to rim. Um, we, uh, it's a 47 mile hike Damn. and we do it in one day. Uh, we start at midnight and, uh, it's pretty crazy hike. Dude, it, it sounds it's, intense, man. It's really intense. Like yeah. it, I, I've done, this is my fifth year last year. I mean, this year I, um, I just did rim to rim cause I had a couple new guys every year. I'm trying to bring some new people to come with us and there's a lot of people that want to do it but they don't know what they're getting into. So yeah. I had a couple of buddies this year, like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And then, so are you camping? Are you guys doing legs of that, uh, That you said 47 miles? Yeah. We, so you do you, or do you do it straight? Straight. Just we nonstop. don't stop. We start at midnight, and usually we're out by 6.30 or 7.30 the, that, that evening. Wow. So we start at the south, south rim of the Bright Angel, and then we bomb up to the north rim and then back. Are you packing anything on your back, like just, something that would be just like what you're hunting with? Or? No, no, like I just have the regular pack, and I use ultra running shoes. They're the best. Got I've it. used yeah. tons, um, tons of different shoes, but man, they're I'm a bigger guy, you know. So it's uh, I've got a pair of their boots, and I I love them. Like yeah. as far as the cushioning and everything, right, that's they're awesome. I tell anybody that's over two twenty, and if you're gonna do hiking, you know, not like. I have different boots for hunting, you know, where you're going to be going cross country, but this right. is a trail. Yeah. Um, the ultra running shoes are amazing. Like, yeah. are those the ones with the weird soles? They look is, like, yeah. Uh, he, yeah, yeah. You, you were bagging on me because they look like the yeah. jeans. Retirement home <laughs> shoes. Yeah. yeah. Slip on. Like kids. Like, yeah. <laughs> when you're coming down that north rim, you know, you're 22,000 vertical feet of is what you're doing on the oh, hike. Wow. And so when you're coming down the north <laughs> rim, it's a lot of pressure on your patella in the front of your knee. Um, so when you have that extra padding, because the first year I used a different brand that, had not much padding and I yeah. was hurting. Yeah. And anytime you're going, you're pushing your body through 47 miles and that's the most ultimate that I've done. Yeah. You know, there's guys like Cameron Haynes that 
do 200 miles that yeah, yeah i've seen need, a bunch you of guys stuff need to get, lately yeah you need yeah. to get him on here <laughs> yeah that's we, good we reached out. Beast. yeah he's a, he's a good dude yeah so but um yeah so we do that to train get in shape you know and then after that you know it's you know crossfit um i do some orange theory fitness i'm you know sure. gym hiking you know and then like about right now i really start hammering um, going out in the woods, glassing, putting cameras out, stuff like that. So I'm a lot of on the ground work. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm going, I'm leaving right after this. I'm going out and, you know, I'll probably do 20, 30 miles um, the next two days, just hiking, checking cameras, glassing, looking for different animals because they're starting to grow now. All the elk are fully grown by July 15th. Usually the deer are just starting to spread out their points. Okay. So we started scouting now pretty hard. What's so, the wow. season here in uh, Arizona? for? So, for so most of the seasons kick off at the end of August with archery deer. Yeah. And then it goes till about the end of January with archery deer. But you have elk, you know, you have antelope here, you have a uh, turkey, um, bighorn sheep. All I can think about right now is, like, he's talking about all these animals, and I'm thinking about, like, this jalapeno sausage that we had, I think, at your house in Colorado. Yeah. 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 I should have so brought So good. One. Yeah. I have some in my freezer at home. That would have been good, man. We could yeah. have been doing the IG live thing and like all Eating the wieners. Yeah. Yeah. Wait. <laughs> um, you talked about bow and you never mentioned rifle. Is, is that your your primary? Is mostly bow? I like archery. Um, with with the bow. Um, I like it a lot better than hunt with rifle, just because it's more challenging. You know, yeah. it's yeah, yeah, yeah. If you see an animal, it's if you can shoot them with the bow it's really easy with the gun you know oh so, yeah absolutely sure. so yeah. it's more challenging um it's i don't know for me it's i feel more accomplished when i hunt with my bow yeah, so, yeah. what bow what's your bow setup um i have a I, I use a hoyt um i use i've used different bows my whole life but i use the hoyt um it's i'm pulling about 75 pounds yeah um it's it's you know i use different broadheads um right now i'm using slick tricks um but yeah it's a you get set up on that practice like my backyard my wife will come in the backyard and i'll be doing uh, like a burpees and running around the block jumping over the wall jumping back over the wall do a couple more burpees pull back and shoot my bow at 20 yards that's and I'll smart go that's yeah, what man. we it's do stress yeah. shoot. it's yeah. a stress shoot yeah, yeah. yeah it's inducing good. stress yeah. yeah and so because that you know people go i'll sit down and shoot i'll drop a knee and shoot i'll be on the roof of my house shoot whatever Alternate i gotta positions. do positions yeah yeah because when you get when you like when you, I usually shoot my elk, you know, or if I'm guiding somebody, it's after a 12 mile full speed run. Yeah, man. You know, and you're like, okay, now you're there. You can't breathe. You yeah. know, I have a I have a clip on YouTube. We call the chainsaw, and I took this guy out and we put him on a, about a five six mile run, and we get there and I stop the bull and the bull's broadside and the guy's trying to pull his bow back and it looks like he's trying to start a chainsaw. So I call it the chainsaw, <laughs> and he never gets it back. Oh, he, he get it, and the bull walks away, and oh. me and my buddy Tony and we're just busting up laughing. We got tears in our eyes <coughs> laughing so hard yeah and i'm like yeah and so that's like part of the reason you, know, you got to train you got to run you it's like i said i trained more for hunting than i ever did for fighting because fighting back in the day they you didn't even know if they were going to happen john mccain would shut down the shows you know so like yeah, yeah. the first couple of fights are like you're you're gonna fight in six months I so you were cage match fighting in yeah. phoenix and yeah. in, in the arizona area yeah i fought in the very first cage fight ever in arizona awesome and they just told me they called me i think roland called me like two in the morning i was at a party I didn't drink, do drugs or anything like that, you know, but I was having a chocolate ding dong with those little <laughs> hostess ones, you know, yeah. drinking a Dr. Pepper because I was the guy that sh- I would show up to the parties with that and yeah. people would be like, give me a Dr. Pepper, give me a ding dong, you know, or a chocolate <laughs> cupcake. Yeah. And uh, so that that's how everybody knew me at the party, you know, and yeah. I was always the sober guy. I drove everybody home. 
So he called me and he's like, hey, the fight's happening tomorrow. And I'm like, sweet, who am I fighting? He's like, oh, you're fighting a karate guy. I'm like, oh, sweet, this will be fun. I'll highlight real this guy. You know, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm like, karate guy, this will be easier than a street fight, you know, because like, <laughs> he's going to scream and yell and I'm going to take him down and pound him, you know? Like, <laughs> so, yeah, that's how it started. And then, uh, yeah, this, it was just a cage fight after cage fight. And then, I'm like, man, it was, it was good times back in the old days. So, what was, the, what was the transitional period from cage fighting to, was there like this moment where you're like, I can't keep doing this forever? Or? Well, yeah, like my, one of my last fights, my wife's like, I was getting married, and my wife's like, no more. Like, yeah, it's too no, much. Too much fighting. Like, let's, let's, you're getting married, you're going to have kids. Um, and then, like, a little bit after that, someone, one of the guys I trained with made like, Two hundred thousand dollars in a fight, and I, I was getting paid a thousand. I was main event, you know. Yeah. And then I'm like, "Are you sure?" I mean, <laughs> I mean, I might lose, I might win, but hey, it's a check, you know. Oh yeah. <laughs> Let's go throw money. some blows and see what happens. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I fought in one more after that. After I got married, without her permission, I showed up to a fight in the main event. Uh, it was a you guys were talking about King of the Cage um, before we got on here. It was a guy. He was a champion, King of the Cage, and he came down here and. We were in the crowd. This is before they had like athletic commissions that sanctioned the events. Yeah. You just fought and uh, fight club. Yeah, and the guy comes up to me. The promoter is like, "Hey, would you uh, would you mind fighting the main event tonight?" I hadn't trained or anything, and I'm like, "So you're in the crowd as like an audience, uh, audience with my buddy, yeah, a spectator, yeah, eating a ding dong, <laughs> right, <laughs> and a Dr Pepper, yeah, yeah." So doing my thing. It was funny because I, you know, it was the worst part about it is uh, it's kind of embarrassing to say it, say it, but. I shaved my legs a lot for for the wrestling because you always pull your hairs on the mat and it was sure, kind sure, of a yeah. Pain. yeah. So that morning I I was getting ready for work and I was shaving my legs. <laughs> <That's> so gay. Nothing <laughs> <laughs> wrong with that. Yeah, wrong with you're that. good, man. So you're good. I was shaving them and I was like, oh crap, I'm gonna be late because I heard the alarm go off. That's like the like you need to leave out of the house when my alarm went off. So I, I just stopped. I was half shaving on each side, and I'm like, "Screw it, <laughs> screw it, I'm going." So I got in the car, went to work, and uh, yeah, and then I went straight from there to the fight. And so I, I'm sitting. The guy's like, "You want to fight?" Sweatpants, like, oh, <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, right. Good. Yeah, the guy's like, uh, "You want to fight?" And I'm just like, "You pay for all my buddies because it was like fifty dollars a ticket." I'm like, "You pay for all their ta- uh, tickets that came in, give us all of our money back." Hell yeah, I'll fight. I love the fight <laughs> because that's how I was. I just loved fighting, especially if you're not going to get arrested and get charged. Yeah, right. Heck, I'm like, yeah. And back then there wasn't, you know, there wasn't. <laughs> I mean, now it's like these athletic guys that'll kill you. You know, like these guys are really tough. Back then it was style versus style, and I was more of a cross-trained fighter, so I'm like, oh, I can mop through most people, you know? Yeah, so yeah. yeah. I loved it. So, um, yeah, I'm like, yeah. So he went and got a mouthpiece, opened it up. Like, it wasn't even fitted. I just shoved it in my mouth. He gave me a <laughs> cup and a jock strap. It was way too big. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I walked in the fight, and I remember having just a final shirt on when I was walking, the final shirt with my little – these five shorts they gave me that were too short. And uh, <laughs> I remember walking. Here's your in. Daisy Dukes, bro. I'm, Good luck. I remember when I got in the, in the, this was actually a boxing ring. I remember getting in the boxing ring and I took off my flannel and I'm looking down at my legs. I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> I forgot. You had like, had uh, what are those, those men's, <laughs> yeah. like, uh, what is it? The uh, Those men's climbing pants that are like three quarter climbing <laughs> yeah, pants, yeah, but yeah, it's yeah, hair. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. only shaved up to the calf. Yeah, that's what I looked like. But it was, mine. I didn't do it like, it was uniform like that it was spotty oh you know? so it looked like i had a disease <laughs> this dude's got the mange he's yeah. crazy <laughs> yeah so anyway. he's in booty shorts he's got the mange <laughs> it was it was those old bad boy fight shorts you know they had the eyes oh, on each of your butt cheeks yeah. yeah. that's one of the coolest yeah, back in the day what, man that's what i had and so yeah i just went in there and then, like i remember taking the guy down and I, I saw a leg lock that i saw on this russian sambo tape and i'm like i gotta try this next time i fight or training and i learned it like a couple days ago and i did it and i got the guy in it and it worked 
I couldn't walk the next day because I did it wrong, but oh, still submitted man. him. Yeah, that's but, awesome. Yeah, so he was blocking. I had a rear naked choke on him. He was blocking it pretty good, and I hit the it's it's a calf crunch is what I call it, and uh, I hit him in it, and yeah, and it worked, and it was over. It was under <laughs> yeah. a minute. It was quick. And that's awesome. Yeah, man. we're out. So, uh, so how long have you been guiding for in Arizona? Um, I've been guiding ever probably like I'd say six, seven years now. And the reason I got into guiding, so everybody understands, is uh. My wife kept getting mad because I went hunting all the time. Mm. I wasn't making money. Yeah, uh, you were spending said, money. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I said, "I'm a guide now, honey." I went and took the test. Yeah. I said that means I'm. It's a business. Oh yeah. yeah. So I'm going to work. I'm, working. I'm going I'm to working. work. Now sometimes I didn't get paid, um, yeah. <laughs> but it's still I was a guide. You know. Yeah. So, so then along what I usually do is when I get paid. I take the money and I give it straight to her. Yeah. I say, "See, I'm working. Nice. You know, it might be yeah. 500 bucks." <laughs> 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 and I was gone for a month. But uh, <laughs> you know, I so said, "You don't make no money, honey." Got to keep mama happy. You keep mama happy. Yes, yeah, yeah. so I start giving her money, and uh, yeah, that's kind of how I got into it. And then I just then people started booking me hunts, different guys, and and it's it's you can't get like I said, it takes 20 years to get drawn, 10 years depending on the hunt and. For the trophy hunts, you know, it's 10 plus years, maybe 20. You know, I've got 23 bonus points, I think, for antelope. Never been drawn in my life for antelope. Never been drawn for bighorn sheep in my life here in Arizona. And so when you love hunting and you like to get out there, you going out with somebody. You know, I used to go out with my friends for free, and I still do. But, man, if you can get paid, you know, yeah, three to six grand oh, yeah. to take I them feel out like, for a hunt. I feel like just based off of listening to your story up to this point and getting a chance to talk to you, you know, prior to – us even doing the podcast, like what the resounding thing that keeps coming back to me. And we talk about this a lot with uh, the people that follow us and listen to the podcast. And really what you're going back to is work ethic. Yeah. Like it's your, it's your drive and your ability um, based off your passions to find something. Right? right. And then, you know, like you described fighting, you know, you went and did all of these things to be the best because you trained with all the guys that you could find to be the best. Right. And then this transition into hunting, you know, obviously you're becoming a family man. You've got to make a living. Um, but you know, not only did you do that and just show up, you know, as a guide, but you're out there, you know, pressing to be the, one of the best guides in the United States. Right. But it's based off a of work ethic. We get a lot of questions from young guys that are trying to figure their lives out, and 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 some some you know women every now and again. But it's like it goes back to those things. I think you know. So you're describe you know what you're describing. I think is it's good to highlight. Like, hey man, if you want to be successful, you've got to have a good work ethic, and you've got to put the time in to be good. Right for sure, hundred yeah. percent, man. Yeah, I you know something that stands out to me is that story you, t- you said in two thousand four where. Uh, you went to go after that big bull and you hit him in his back. And a, a lot of people, you know, there's a whole bunch of stereotypes and a whole bunch of miseducation in hunting. And one of those has to do with the uh, the treatment of animals. Yeah. And people don't realize, like, you know, the typical hunter is somebody who ethically wants to kill and hunt uh, for the meat, right. for the experience. Right. And they're harvesting it all, and they and they train and practice to get to that point where they take that shot, and it's an ethical kill, as opposed to that mountain lion ripping a baby deer into little pieces, um, and and they don't understand that. And you know, you said that was a kind of a turning point for you when it, it kind of reconstructed uh, the way that you set up and you know condition yourself and train yourself for hunts. Um, what's your kind of stance on on hunters nowadays? Because you know now everybody's getting a bad rap because everybody, you know, whether it's PETA or these organizations yeah. talking about 
um, you know, whether they're the, you know, the vegan initiatives or whatever it may be, what's kind of like your, uh, stance on, uh, ethical hunting? Well, I, you know, all the hunters care a lot about the animals. I mean, there are, you know, some people that, that don't do things right, but I don't call them hunters. Yeah. You know, and most of the hunters. Well, like, I mean, that's the rest of the world. There's a lot, you know, there's groups of people in different demographics that don't do it right. But yeah. Right. Like, so 2004, I made that bad shot. Well, two years ago, I got that tag. I got it drawn again. Mm-hmm. I shot the bull at 40 yards and he went 40 yards and it was over. Yeah. You yeah. know, now my freezer's full of organic protein meat. You yeah, know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Feed from my family and friends, you know, and. It it makes it nice, and you gotta you can break out an elk steak, you know. It's, yeah, uh, it's all flipping <laughs> you're organic. making me hungry. Yeah, right I know, now. right? <laughs> I know. I talk about the summer sausage now, the <laughs> yeah, elk steaks. Yeah. But, but yeah, that's a that's a thing. You know, they a lot of people don't realize hunters are the one we have to pay. We got to put in for the hunts. Sure. So we got to pay an application fee. Like I said, we don't get drawn every year, but we still pay a fee. It's like, so what are these people doing? What is everybody doing for wildlife conservation? Nothing. The ones that you're talking about, the PETA and all those guys, what are they actually doing? They're just talking. Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, what are they doing? Like you can go watch Arizona Elk Society right now. That's they're based out of Arizona. They're hauling water every single day to these water holes right now because there's been no rain up to the last week. Right. Yeah, and yeah. you know, there's it's a drought. It's a bad drought and the animals gotta have water. So you have got hunters that are going out filling up tanks. Right. You know, like they're taking water trucks of their own and filling up tanks to get the animals water. Yeah. No one else is doing that, you know. So and then when we put the money in, when we put in for the hunt, it, it's the one. That's how the game and fish officers get their money. That's how they yeah, enforce. Well, that's unique it's in Arizona. Right. People, right? That's actually yeah. that's actually unique in Arizona because the fish and wildlife aren't paid, and they don't. I don't even think they call it fish and wildlife here. It's Arizona game and fish here. Arizona game and fish. They're not paid by the taxpayers like other states. They're right. actually paid. What, what's what's the what's by the hunting revenue or so yeah by the hunting revenue is my understanding yeah. so as we put as we put the money in like we put in for these hunts we buy a tag I buy the you know I put nineteen different people in my family nephew nieces some liberals they might not hunt but I'll find out you know when they get drawn I ask them you know but <laughs> oh, yeah. I put them all in and give them a chance especially the kids at you know at the uh, you, the young ages but when you put all those people in you're you're paying for the hunting license like I said you're not going to get drawn you put nineteen people in for elk deer turkey javelina and all those different species that's a lot of money you know there's application fees $13 for each species so that's the money that's go that goes in and then you have like I said the Arizona Elk Society the Arizona Deer Association the Mule Deer Foundation the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation you have all these different foundations that have banquets and then they get like um, Arizona like for example the AES Arizona Elk Society they get two tags a year to auction off elk tags so you get the rich, rich people that come yeah, in, yeah. and they. We went to one. Yeah, we, didn't we went to we went to one here in Arizona. Uh, when I sp- spoke, yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, the yeah. Rocky Mountain Elk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think it. Well, it was one of those. I mean, yeah. they were running. Uh, I feel like an idiot right now because I can't remember what TBI the hell bro, it was. Real <laughs> <Yeah>. mm. <laughs> no, but yeah, good, good point. It was a banquet where they're raising money and auctioning things. One to help raise money, I think, to take veterans on a hunt. Yeah, it was, and yeah, then part of the it was, other part yeah. of it was to actually use that money to to continue or to continue to do things like you're talking about, where yeah, whether it's conservation or paying people salaries or you know something that was a positive impact on the whole uh, experience or hunting in general. Yeah, and I, we we had talked about that black drought. I actually posted that on my uh, my Instagram. I was like, hey, you know, there's two options. Is you know, hang her up. You know, it was a picture of her, yeah, uh, with, her trof- with a trophy hunt, which is a black giraffe. And it was like, hang her up or, um, or you know, give her another tag or something like that. And I was surprised at how many people, I thought initially, 
um, she would get slammed, and You're they right. would be like, "Screw her!" And because there's a lot of miseducation, and, right. and you know, in the conversation that we had prior to the podcast, we had talked about some of the the issues, which are, you know, it's just a picture isn't the whole story. Yeah. A lot of it has to do, even if it's a trophy kill, it doesn't have to be um, necessarily a sanctioned kill. It could be a trophy kill, like private money, private funds, how it how it affects the economy. But I was surprised at how much. Um, people knew about that, yeah. and they knew that hey, that money was potentially going to go to the uh, the village or the people that lived there, and the meat was going to be shared. But they wanted to hang her up because they're like, it's a giraffe. I mean, giraffes, right. you know, kids pet giraffes at zoos. I mean, right. It's not right. like it's right. an elusive the American experience. And, yeah, right. you're right. That's exactly right. It's American experience. You got a lot of people out there uh, that are telling ex- telling the story, you know, about hunting and what it's about. You got Joe Rogan, you know, Cameron yeah. Haynes went and got with Joe Rogan, and Joe Rogan's a hunter now. Yeah, so he's, oh, yeah. he's got one of the biggest. He's podcasts. an advocate, and yeah, he's, he's always like posting now. stuff where right. he's like elk steak and yeah, yeah, which is cool. So you got guys like him that are educating people, guys like you guys right now, educating people about what is happening and why what why is the need for hunting? You know, people don't understand overgrazing. You can't just have a thousand deer right. on a on an acre of grass. Oh yeah, what happens? Yeah, right. None of them get food, and they all die. Yeah, yeah. You know, so you have to you have to take out animals. You have to harvest animals and. When I harvest animals, I go for the oldest age class, the ones that lived a long life, um, you know, at the, at the end of their life, you know, before they f- they get eaten by a mountain lion or a coyote or they die because they couldn't get no food because they're not strong enough to get through snow. Yeah, they get sick. Or, yeah. Yeah. De- yeah, disease. I, I, like, bringing up the, the black uh, giraffe thing, like, when I look at that stuff, you look at what the media does with everything. If, if they don't like something, they paint it in a certain light. Like you were saying, you got to pay attention to the story, right? Even if... And I try to remind myself this with anything I'm looking at, especially nowadays. I don't watch the news because I don't like them because I think they're a bunch of liars. Yep. Um, but fake news. Fake yeah, news. exactly. <laughs> right. So it's like it, it's actually trying to educate yourself and understand what's going on. So before you're, you know, calling for old old girl's head that shot the black giraffe. It's like understand the totality of the story to understand what was actually happening and typically. Um, I think with a lot of those big game hunts that happen in Africa and some of those places is, is some of the wrong things happening. Yeah. There are people poaching animals and they're doing it the wrong way, but there's also a lot of, I think Westerners and, and people, uh, that are going there and they're paying in to do this. And then people don't understand the impact on the economy that that has in those areas, whether or not you agree with it or disagree with it, there are, there is an impact, you know, whether it's economically you know, you could look at it from a lot of different standpoints, but I think one of the things you got to do is definitely educate yourself before you decide to run off at the mouth and make an uneducated opinion, and it only makes you look more ignorant. Yeah, it's a first world opinion. We always have these opinions that are based on our, our principle of being, you know, we're we're in the one percent of all, yeah, um, the the richest countries in the world, and then when you look at a place like I've been to Niger, Africa, and it's probably, I mean, I got sick from breathing the air because the fecal matter. People just walk off the side of the road and shit in the dirt, Ugh. and so the fecal matter is in the air when cars drive by. The, I mean, there is no the average salary there is like ten dollars a month. Right, and these people rarely have running water in their villages, and then somebody comes in and pays sixty thousand dollars a head to hunt an animal, and then they get to eat the meat. The, yeah, <laughs> the, the, absolutely. They harvest the meat on site, and it's elusive. My only issue is the. It's not even perception. My my only issue is is the people who come in there, and they just want to hang a head, and so yeah. they're not harvesting the animal. 
they're lobbing the head off because they want to put yeah. it on their on yeah. their wall. Yeah. And so, and there is a different, there's a stark difference. I've, I've actually educated myself on it, and you could probably elaborate on this, but there is a difference between what's called a trophy hunt and what these people are doing because right. trophy hunts aren't just about hanging the head. It's about the experience. Mm, okay. right. it's, it's about the conservation and everything else. Everybody's trophy's different. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I have friends yeah. at Trophy. A trophy's just getting a, a bull elk with antlers. Sure. You know, yeah. or... And so it's the trophies, you know, it's it's what you want. It's what your what your trophy is, you know. Like if I have a, a bull, that I, a 380 bull, you know, that's inches and horns, um, I want a 400-inch bull, you know, and that's what I'm going to shoot for. And sure. I'm not probably going to uh, get an animal or at the end – I'll, I'll shoot something because I love the elk meat. I want a yeah. freezer full of meat. You, you can know? still be competitive about it right. and still harvest the animal and, and feed your family and do all of that. I think yeah. it's uh, I think it's a great point that you're illustrating is yeah. you can be into the whole experience. You know what right. I mean? And that's part of it for a lot of people is the camaraderie, together hunting, like being out there, stalking animals, all the skill that it takes to actually kind of make that experience come together, you know, with the culmination of, of harvesting the animal. Right. The harvest is not even the fun. I mean, it's, it's fun, but it's all the other stuff. Like you said, just being in the woods, being out, like I, we live in the city here. It's miserable. <laughs> yeah. Get me out. You know, like I cannot wait to get the heck out of here today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And just get in the woods. You know, I was in California before this and it's a beach, but man, I don't, that's Snowflakeville, dude. <laughs> it is, man. We just came from there. Yeah. Not fun. Get me to the Behind mountain. enemy lines. <laughs> yeah, get me to the woods. Um, you know, you mentioned some stuff about equipment, and I'm, I'm kind of interested in the, the technical aspect of things because uh, a lot of people, especially guides, I mean, they have a, you guys have a top secret folder of <laughs> the way you, of, of locations and, and some tactics and techniques that you've developed over years and years of guiding. I mean, I know right. there's like a secret code right. that you got to be uh, preppy like to. three knocks. Yeah. <laughs> you know, You're you in. Gotta, yeah. Um, so equipment-wise, what like walk me through uh, an elk hunt, basic equipment that you would carry with you on an elk hunt so, when you're going overland. Yeah, so basic equipment I have. And, like, I go down to, like, I've tried and true to everything. Mm-hmm. So I know it works, you know, like – I've, even down to the vehicle, you know, my forerunner I have, it's 400,000 miles on it. You know, a Toyota. What year, yeah. what year is your, that's it. We're Toyota you had guys, a forerunner. Yeah, it's what out, year is it? It's 96. I'm actually driving my wife's today because I had, if you go to my Instagram, you can see the picture on the storyline. Metal was hanging off my tires because <laughs> I, it was time to get new tires. Yeah. But another thing, Toyo, you know, Toyo tires, Toyo tires, a Toyota those are the vehicles that last out there. So it's I funny. Had a, that's what we're running. Yeah, and I love. You know what's crazy? I, I loved Chevy. I was a big Chevy fan. I bought I bought a Duramax. I put one hundred fifty thousand miles on it the first year, and the wheels fell off. The gas tank fell on the ground twice. You know, I'm like, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, Chevy is not going to do it for me. Yeah. And I'm a Chevy fan. You know, like if I was just going to drive around town and do my business, I would yeah, do a Chevy. Chevy. It's a nice one. But uh, I've and I've I have companies. So I've done Dodge. I've done Ford. I've done all of them. Toyota. I mean, that's just if you're going to go out in the woods or out in the mountains and you want something reliable, you want Toyota. That's what's getting you to that's the location. That's what's locations. getting to the location. This then, sounds like a Toyota commercial. Yeah, I know, it's very right? Well in place. <laughs> right. We promise this isn't. It's not. It's not. I mean, I go down like it, there's details for hunters. Like if you talk to each hunter that spends a lot of time out there. I mean, like I said, the Toyota, the Toyota truck, the to- or forerunner whatever toyo tires i mean that's those won't let you down um, i got metals hanging off them then you go down to your personal stuff like what do you what do you wear i wear loa hunting boots mm-hmm. you know these things you know i'm a big guy i've bought other boots I, i'll rip them up in three months or a oh, hike yeah. yeah you know and like i've got those will last me over a year and I, I mean i'm not going out like i said every other week and i'm spending 250 days a year out in the woods hiking all day oh yeah. Long. yeah yeah a lot of 
time out there. And then what type of clothing you wear, you know, like there's Kuyu camo. I'm not a big guy on the patterns. I'm sure different for military. You need the, the, the patterns and stuff. But for hunting, for me, it's all about your wind. I could wear a bright pink shirt and chase a bull down. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because I, they're not, you, you know, you, you just, it's all about wind. They can smell yeah. you. So, but like there's Kuyu camo. Shh, don't tell the hunting companies You're, that. Right? I feel like they're going to lose a lot of money on camo. You get a lot of the guys like, what's the best camel for Arizona hunt elk? And I'm like, just check your wind and wear whatever you want to wear. But it's not even that. You want to wear, um, you know, more like, I like Under Armour. Sure. You know, like, uh, there's so many things that I wear. You know, the, the body, the body glide, that's a must if you're hunting. Oh, yeah. <laughs> chafing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we know about chafing. I call that undercarriage <laughs> rubbage. Absolutely, yeah. man. Body glide's the heat. I have it in my bag right now. You know, another important thing that, um, like, I learned on the um, the hike, the Grand Canyon, I do that every year, um, salt. Salt's so important. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I never realized it. But my second hike of the Grand Canyon, I had tears in my eyes crawling out my hands and knees. And, I mean, I was I showed up like a week before to go do this, and I yeah. didn't train. But mm-hmm. I did I, – I, I didn't train, but I spent a lot of time out in the woods, so I'm always yeah. hiking. You know? yeah. So I'm in pretty good shape most of the time. Keeps your electrolytes balanced. Right. The salt does. Huh? And it was crazy. My body was cramping up. I mean, I was oh, – yeah. I was – I thought I was going to die. Mm-hmm. And then, like – Last year we had a guy, same thing. Um, he was a he's a stud athlete, mm-hmm. and um, him and his brother, one of his brothers, I think he's uh, in the military. Um, I think he's a ranger, mm-hmm. and uh, they went with us, and they didn't have salt, and Ooh. we had to carry their bags out for him and help them out. And really, these guys are studs. These yeah. guys, I mean, oh yeah, they're glycogen depletion yeah. that would do that to you. And he didn't, and I, I explained to everybody before I left, because like, I was there, I'm that yeah. guy on the ground, you know, and I, I was by myself, because there's usually about 20 of us, and I think I was the third or fourth one done that year, Yeah. and so the three guys in front of me were an hour in front of me, and everybody else behind me was like an hour and a half, two hours behind me, so I had nobody there. Yeah. yeah. So I, I found a bigger woman that was walking, and I'm like, if she can make it out of her, I can make it out of her. So I got behind her. <laughs> so you jumped on her back. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> yeah. And I baby stepped with her. She was having a hard time, but she only probably went, to, you know, two miles down two miles out and yeah. i was following her the last two miles and yeah i remember when i got out i was telling my wife i'm like don't ever ever let me do this again i'll die yeah you know and then it was like the next day i'm like preparing for next year oh <laughs> yeah. yeah i'm yeah. like it kicked my butt but that's what i wanted and and it was a salt and i'm like i think i got to figure it out with salt i never no one told me to take salt pills or oh yeah and i'm so i'm like what an idiot am i i'm a hunter I put out salt all year long for animals. That's how I get the pictures of them. <laughs> Why do animals need salt? And I'm like, are you? It's in- delicious. So yeah. now what you've done is de- is uh, you've done a deliberate plan of p- placing salt blocks along the trail. So yeah. you're like, <laughs> and I'm like, oh my gosh, what an idiot! Like, what do you? <laughs> so now I'm like. I, I got salt in my backpack. I don't leave. I don't hike without Smart. salt. What kind of salt heat. is it? What is it? A, uh... um, I got the salt stick. It's called salt stick. And yeah. then I have different stuff. I have uh, I have another one. It's a it's an electrolyte. It's called yep. base salt. Yeah. It's, uh. a, it's like a chapstick little bottle, and you just you put the – well, it comes out like a little round tube, and then you put it in like a little chapstick bottle, and you just flip the lid off, lick your thumb, dip it in there, and put it under your tongue. It's a quick-acting salt okay. on your system. Then the salt pills are more milligrams, and I swallow those. And I usually take one every hour when I'm on a yeah. crazy hike. Yep, yep. And so that's another thing. you know. So just there's so much, like you said, pre- preparation and uh, what equipment I take. And What about your wind meter? What's, what wind meter are you using? Like I, for checking my wind? Yeah. Yeah, so for checking my wind, I just – I, it's called smoke in the bottle. It's like five dollars at Sportsman's Warehouse. You know, yeah. I get it and I just squeeze it. And I've made some homemade ones with chalk. You know, but oh, so uh, it actually it, it put, puts up. He smoke just wants to yeah. see which the way the direction right, right, is right. because of scent. Ah, that's so, well, yeah, instead of that, but I mean, it actually puts yeah. up smoke. Yeah, it puts up the smoke in there, and I just squeeze it. You got you got you got to stop, stand still, 
squeeze it and see which way the wind's blowing, and then bam, I'm off again. Yeah, we yeah. use for long gun stuff. We use Kestrel meters, but we actually you could turn them out. Yeah. And you could see where the which fan, the oh, which yeah, way it's which, going? which the direction of wind. Oh, direction. When I don't have it, I'll lick my finger and I'll hold it up in the air and feel and try to feel where the wind's going. Yeah, and you can do that too. And and some people, you know, just grab dirt depending on where you're toss running it. and just toss it and see where it goes. Yeah, but uh, the bo- smoke in the bottle, it's the best way to go for me. Um, but yeah, that works good. But it gets down. I mean, uh, binoculars. You know, sure. you could have binoculars. Um, I use Sorsky. It's the best. You yep. know, a lot of people we go cheaper. Well. They're like Nikon, this and that. But yeah, if you want to buy another pair later, you know. But the source keeps the best. I have the. I had. I just sold them, but I had the Koa Highlanders. Yeah. You know the fifty power, thirty two oh, yeah, power yeah. lenses, and I can see eight miles with those things. You know, nice. no animals can hide. Yeah, they'll get you in trouble though because I've glassed up stuff. I'm like, oh, it's right there, and I take off, and it's four <laughs> hours later, I'm like, oh my gosh, I still got to go through three more canyons, and I got to go back. You know, and <laughs> then you go down to GPS. You always, as much as you know the land. I always GPS. I'm, I'm interested like, in your GPS profile. What What is your, do you have like a contingency? Are you running like an actual, like, you know, I don't know, gar, a Garmin, Garmin. Fortrex or? Yeah, yeah, I use the Garmin. It's like the big old remote. It's a big one. It's a little big. I used to use the, the little radio one. Yeah. But I, I got the, the new one they had out and it's a, it's more like a, like a iP- iPad, a <laughs> smaller one. It's kind of big. Yeah, it's probably yeah. too big, the smaller ones, but it does everything I need it to do. And I, a couple extra, you know, a little couple extra ounces in the pack's okay. Are yeah. you using uh like for your your mapping? Are you actually mapping it out prior uh, your routes and everything? No, new, no, most of the time I'll, I'll I know where I'm going, yeah. so I'll get to those areas. Or I already have them GPSed, mm-hmm. so I'll get to those areas and then I'll see an animal and then I'll mark that's either either it's already marked or I'll mark the new spot yeah. and then I'll take off and then get done. You know, if I get the animal loaded up, it takes a long time to fill dress it. And then I hit go back, and it'll lead me back yep. to it. Nice. And you maintain that data, all those points and yeah. everything, so you can get atmosphere. Yeah, if I lost my GPS or something, I got a hold <laughs> I was going to say, I, was like, <laughs> I need to borrow that GPS, <laughs> right. man. There's been a couple scares. You know, I, I lost my code. Oh, look, this is highlighted. It says honey hole. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> weird. right. What is that? Most yeah. of them say, like, 400-inch bull, 130-inch coos, you know, 200-inch yeah, nice. bull. That's what, some people are like, oh, that's where I'm going. Yeah, you know, like, jackpot. Nice. Yeah, jackpot. That's awesome. So. And then your bow setup, you said you're using a Hoyt and then a 75-pound. Yeah, I pull bowl. back on 75-pound uh, on the Hoyt. I use, uh, um, what are those arrows called? Uh, Victory arrows. Yep. Yeah, Victory arrows. And uh, I take my bows, and I, I'm not, I like it's crazy. I, I hunt, but I, I don't get all into all the details on the guns and the bows <laughs> i go down to the shop and i say give me the best bow i gotta make sure if i hit an elk i get through the shoulder so that's why i stepped up my the poundage on my bow my yeah elk, when i had my elk tag i'm like i don't plan on hitting the shoulder but i want to make sure if i accidentally did yeah i have a good chance of getting through so i went to heavy arrow i went with the right broadhead you know 125 grand broadhead yep and so uh and then my buddies down you know they they set me up and they get me dialed and then i i go shooting i'm almost blown through my block target i know i'm <laughs> I'm dialed. Yeah. Oh, know, yeah. It's a block target. You know, it's what you shoot. Your, it's the best oh, yeah, target yeah. out there. And when you're, you know, when your fletchings are all the way in, you know, okay, it's going to do some damage. Oh, yeah. yeah the penetration is right. 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 What, what is your, what's your pin set up on your sights? So I have like a 20 to 100. Mm-hmm. Um, I, like I said, I use, I try to shoot 20 to 40. 20 to 40. Yeah, 20 okay. to 40. There, there's, I mean, I practice out to 100. I'm very capable of making that shot, but a lot of things can happen at 100 yards. Oh, yeah. Animal can move, wind, oh, yeah. so much it's stuff. A, it's a time to target issue, right. I, I could imagine. Because right. if it takes a few seconds to get there, things change, obviously. Yeah. And then it's not even about uh, energy, because at that with 75 
uh, pound or pull. I yeah. mean, you're, you got the energy, you got right. the muscle velocity. Right. So like I said, and, and most of the time, when, like when I have a tag, it's funny because no one shows up. You know, it's just me out there. <laughs> so I got to range or I got to know what the yardage is. And so if you're going to range, by the time you range, you're okay, that's, he's 65 yards. Then you pull out an arrow. Yeah. Then you knock your, your release on it. Yeah. Then you pull back. Okay, now, now you got to stop him if he's moving. And then you got to hold. You got to make the change of what the yardage is, mm. and he could be another ten yards. Yeah, it's just not. I like. I'm just twenty, 20 to, 40. to thirty, forty yards. You know, and I'm very capable of getting twenty yards most of the time on the animals. You know, like I said, my last elk was um, actually I got drawn again last year. I got lucky, and I shot my that bullet seventeen yards. Wow. And the year before that, I shot him at forty yards, and I actually got drawn again this year too. <laughs> nice. But I, I know how to work the system. Nice, <laughs> like I said, man. I put in a lot of people, and so I get all those bonus points, and I take advantage of the bonus points. Oh, and I put smart. in with them, so it brings up my average, and I get drawn. So nice, cool. So yeah, what is the uh, uh, what, what, talk to me about shot placement? Uh, and a lot of people, it's not really debatable, but it's yeah. you know, it's behind the shoulders. We're talking. Like, yeah, a lot of people. This is where I've, I've seen with shot placements, especially in archery, and, you, and a lot of people try to make that hard shot when they're hunting. So a lot of people train to make that hard shot. Not me. The block target's the size of an elk's lungs. Yeah. You just got to hit that right in the middle of that block target. So I, I'm a lung shooter because if you hit the lungs, you the heart's so small. Right. You can miss and hit him back or in the leg. I was going to say in the leg. Yeah. yeah. And, it, and now the animal's wounded and he's walking away. And he might die and be wasted. You don't want that. Yeah. So I'm like center mass of the elk. It's, you know, it's like back right behind that shoulder. Yep. And it's. I mean, those lungs are so big on an elk. Now, coos deer, we have coos deer here in Arizona, and they're small. They're like big dogs. Right. It's different. Well, even more of a sake, you don't want to try to take a heart shot on a coos deer. Yeah. I've had a lot of people that's that's heart shot shooters because, you know, someone posted a video about a heart shot. (laughs) You know, and it's like, dude, let's just get them killed the right way. And Yeah. So I aim for the lungs every time. I go right in the center of the lungs. Both of my elk, I shot them right in the lungs, um, and they they fall, you know, yeah. within 40 yards. And you're looking for that broadside. Broadside, broad I don't, side. yeah, and I don't, I used to be that guy, you know, that would just, ah, I think I can slip it in there, but no. I, when you spin, like in 2004, I spent the rest of my hunt looking for that elk. I didn't, couldn't hunt anymore. Yeah. I couldn't, I mean, I didn't want to hunt anymore. I already shot an animal, you know <laughs> yeah, what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah. So, like, I didn't want to go out and injure another one, or who knows, you know? So, I spent the rest of my hunt looking for that animal. So I'm like, I'm going to make sure when I, I, everybody's capable if you prepare for it and you train for it, you know, to make the right shot. Mm-hmm. So that's what I do. I, I wait for the right opportunity, the right shot. And when I make it, I, I'm confident in my shot. Yeah. Awesome. Makes sense, man. Yeah. You guys ready to go hunting? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's funny. I told when we, uh, I was telling Mason about, uh, he was telling me about you and I was getting all motivated and stuff. I'm like, man, I got to go on a hunt with him. Yeah. We got to go out and do something. And uh, we actually are getting lined up for getting our hunting license in Arizona. You're right. And um, I got mine from North Carolina, but I don't even know. Does it does it transfer? Does mine from North no, Carolina? No, you have to have a hunting license in each state. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so you get yeah. one here. You, um, they have the hunter education you yeah. can do. Yeah, it gives you an extra bonus point. And, but um, bonus points is what add up to get you a better chance, like another raffle, you know, ticket. Cool. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's it's great when you're, when you're chasing those bulls in September and they're screaming their heads off. I mean – that's what got in 2004. That's what changed me from being the like the, I said the weekend warrior hunter to like, dude, I got to do this more often. This is way fun. You <laughs> yeah. Know? So yeah, I'm super motivated, man. I, you know, I'm super motivated to to check your uh, your stuff out and just pay attention to it more to learn more because I think, you know, you're you're mainly hubbed on uh, Instagram, right? That's where yeah, you're just putting all mostly your stuff. Instagram. Yeah. And, and like I said, you guys could uh, 
um, I, I, you guys are more than well, welcome to be invited to come to down to my hunt in Mexico this year because you can get tags down in old Mexico. <laughs> and I, I could use some of you guys because you guys are the filthcraft. Oh, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. So tell me about this, this Mexico. <laughs> He's like, you wanted to hear that story. We talked about it prior to. <laughs> well, Mason's like, there's a story about Mexico the and the cartel, cartel and, and hunting and, hunting and, and yeah. getting rolled up ambushes. <laughs> well, that's not saying I was like, man, I wish I had Mason with me that day. But we got it. We got bombed hard. But yeah, so I have a buddy that wants to go. You know, you go down to Mexico, you can hunt the deer. Yeah. So you buy the tag, and usually there's a rancher, um, and then, you know, there's a guy that buys the tags from the ranchers. He's the guide. So my buddy wants to shoot a big deer. He, he you know, buys tags all the time. So he's like, let's go down here and look at these ranches. They're supposed to have some big deer on them. So he tells me where they're at. <laughs> it's by the border. <laughs> and I'm like, any problems with the cartel down there? Because I've known. I've heard. <laughs> yeah. You know? yeah. And he's like, oh, no. They see them every once in a while, but they never bother you. I'm like, cool. So we go and... <laughs> We decide Hold we're gonna, my beer. Watch yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. So we decide we're going to make this trip yeah. down to Mexico. And this is in May, just recently. Yeah. And uh, we're driving down there. You know, we're going to go for a couple of days and check out these ranches and see if it's worth him giving them a check. So we go down there and we look at some ranch. Oh, before we get when we get to the border, we meet the guys. You mm-hmm. know, and I'm like, hey, I said again. Not like I'm some chicken crap, you know, paranoid. But I'm just like, hey, yeah, where are we going? And he starts explaining. I'm like, yeah, no problem with the cartel or anything like that. Because I mean. It's not wanna, a problem to have situational awareness. That's a good thing, right? Yeah. But and, but you're putting a lot of money, you know. Yeah, like absolutely. The hunts down there, you know, you're talking five, six grand. Oh yeah. You know, and, and my buddy's buying all the tags on the, these ranches, so he's, you know, he could be spending around twenty grand. Yeah. So wait, this isn't at a cross check. This isn't at like a cro- border crossing. We're this at a border is, crossing yeah. talking oh, about okay. this. Oh yeah. So, and then he's like, "Ah, oh, no, you, no problem. Twenty-three years I've been guiding down here, never had a problem. I'm like, perfect. <laughs> so he started going to the ranch houses. He started showing all the he different. He winked at his buddy. Yeah, like, yeah, we're show these boys. We're good. <laughs> yeah. So we go to these ranch houses. We start checking out these ranch houses, and he's showing us, "Hey, you guys can stay here. It's a little bit longer to the best ranch, but you guys, it's a real nice ranch. You know, showing us the rooms and everything. I'm like, cool. You know, you get a little lady that makes you the food and tortillas. Nice place, though. Oh yeah, awesome. it's great. Oh, TV. Yeah. It had. Yeah, I'm sold yeah. on the food. Oh yeah, yeah. the yeah. food, man. Every meal, like carne asada, <laughs> homemade corn tortillas, corn tortillas, tortillas oh, bottle cokes. I mean, it's just amazing. <laughs> That's my favorite, dude. Mexican yeah, bottle so of good. coke. I love it. <laughs> Those are tortillas. I can eat them all day. <laughs> so we start hitting all the spots, and uh, he starts showing all the different ranches. He's like, "Okay, now we're gonna go to this next one." He's like, "It's never been hunted in 23 years." And I, the people say that I'm like, yeah, bull crap, you know. Yeah, yeah. So I did like, yesterday. So, yeah, so I'm like, I'm sure. I, I was telling my buddy Brandon, I'm like, yeah, we'll find some shells on the ground. I'll look, you know, I'll find yeah. some old shells, yeah. or tracks, and yeah. I'll look when we're driving around. So as we start driving in, we're seeing deer, you know, and I, I found a dead head, you know, a skull with antlers, and I'm like, wow, you know, and found some sheds on the ground. And I'm like, wow, this, this it is could be, be good. Pretty good. Yeah. yeah. So we start driving some a little bit further, and we get to the fence, and we're looking. I'm like, oh wow, I've hunted on the other side of that fence. That's Arizona. And I'm like, I know there's a big buck right here. So um, you st- I start thinking in my head, I'm like, I think this is exactly where that big buck is. Well, long story short, I checked my GPS. It's exactly where we found a big Whoa. buck, but it was in Mexico. So I'm like, oh, we tried to get to that spot, but then we found out it was in Mexico. Yeah. And yeah, it was a hard area to get to, yeah. let's just say, and probably not a safe area to get to. <laughs> so <laughs> so we keep driving and we get up on a little point where you can actually see out over everything. And we actually had cell phone service. So we stopped, we're looking at the land, we're talking with the guys. They're in a truck in front of us. They're in a nice Chevy truck. We're in a nice brand new Toyota. There's three of them. The two guides that are from from Arizona, well, well, actually, one's from Wyoming, one's from Arizona, and then uh, the Mexican rancher's son, the guy that his son owns, uh, his dad owns the ranch. Yeah, he's driving 
those guys are in that truck, and then me and my buddy Brandon, the ones that are going to buy the tags. Yeah. And so we're sitting up there, and I'm, we had no phone reception, so I just hit my wife up. I'm like, hey, no reception. I'll see you in a couple of days. Cool. We hang up. I'm like, man, I'm, I'm like, I don't know about you. And I'm saying this to him, I'm like, but this is the perfect spot for a cartel. I mean, and I don't, you know, now I'm starting to sound like I'm stupid, but I know where big bucks are. Oh, and yeah. I'm looking, I'm like, this got big bucks. Well, where there's big bucks, that means it hasn't been hunted. It's good area. And that's where cartel's probably going to be, too. You <laughs> oh, know, because yeah. if you're going to run drugs, you want to be in the safest spot yep. to run drugs. And same thing, not like I'm a drug dealer, but, you know, like I'm looking for big bucks and I'm assuming it's the what same thing. What you didn't know is all these, you know, fighting and hunting skills are going to translate into being, you know, <laughs> part of the cartel, point break, yeah, cartel man. skills as yeah, well. Yeah. So I'm looking, and he's, and he, again, he's like, yeah, no, man, no problems, man. You know, every once in a while you might see one, but nah, they won't bother you. I'm like, cool. 15 minutes later. <laughs> No, oh, here we go. Yeah. Dri- Hold my beer. <laughs> we're driving down a two-track road. We're behind the other truck, and we're driving up a hill. Two-track, dirt road in the middle of nowhere. You know, dust flying, cactus. There's there's no houses nearby. This is the middle of nowhere, right off the border. And we come around the corner, and the truck's in front of us, and Brandon goes, well, hey, look, there's a truck up there. And I look up there. I'm like, oh, they're hunters. I can see a guy with binoculars. He's sitting on a chair. That's what I do. You know, glass and looking for animals. No, he wasn't looking for animals. So Brandon's like, there's no hunters here. <laughs> and at the same time, we turn, we're coming around this bright corner, you know, this uh, big hard right. The truck's in front of us. I see this Honda Ridgeline rip out in the middle of the road to block us. He oh. jumps in the road. At the same time, two guys with machine guns come off, one in the front, one in the back. And the same time, me and Brandon both say, oh, shit. Yeah. And we're like, oh, no. And right when I say that, I look him right out my window, and a mach- uh, machine gun's like coming to my face. Like it, it looked like an Uzi or something. I don't like. I don't know about guns, but it had yeah. a big magazine and definitely would done some work on me. And <laughs> so, I look off to the left. There's another like a young kid, maybe 17 years old, cross-eyed. His his uh, cheeks are all puffed out. He's breathing. He's drooling out of his mouth. Like cross-eyed. Like he's gonna kill us. Like he wanted to kill us. He had a pistol. He's running to the truck. And there's another guy with the machine gun. And there's a main guy with the machine gun that went through the front window of the truck in front of us and he's screaming Spanish. I have no idea what they're saying. You know, I know a little bit of Spanish, but not much. Yeah. And so the one guy with the machine guns yelling at us and I'm like, I'm like, Ben, Brandon, put your hands up. Cause that's what you do in cops. You know, put your hands up. Put your hands up. I put my hands up and the one in my window, you know, they had that like, the face was all wrapped up, you know, looked like a ninja, you know, like yeah. with the, looked like you, what you'd see down in Iraq and stuff. You yeah, know? Like, yeah. I'm like, oh my gosh, these guys are for real. And you could see the fire in their eyes. Like, these guys didn't care. Like, yeah. they'd like shoot you right. Yeah, drugs. Yes, yeah. exactly. And that's what my Border Patrol buddies I talked to afterwards, like, they give them some type of drugs to keep oh, them yeah. going. Speed. Yeah. Yep. yeah. And this, I mean, especially the guy at the pistol, he was a young guy, looked like he was trying to make get his wings or something, you know, because yeah. he wanted to get a kill under his list. You know, <laughs> Jeez, <laughs> it's like, man. so they're, you know, and I'm like, put my hands up and I'm, I'm sounding like a wuss, you know, like I, I'm usually not scared of anything. I'm down, you know, <laughs> yeah. like I'm down. I'm a guy, you could put anybody in front of me. You know, yeah. I'm, but I mean, that's a shitty situation. You're sitting there and it, you know, if anybody's ever fought out of a, a civilian vehicle before, I have. It's really difficult yeah. because you're, you know, you don't have a lot of room to maneuver inside of there. So just a, from a basic protection standpoint, that's hard to maneuver from the back of the vehicle. And then not only that, you guys aren't thinking that anything like that's going to happen. So, you know, they had uh, basically the element of surprise, if you will, yes, and then 100%. rolled up and closed the distance so fast that you're kind of like, well, There's nothing shit, you could what do, do I do? People yeah. are like, whoa, what would you have done if you had a gun? 
I said, not a damn thing. <laughs> oh, yeah. Not a damn thing. I would have been smoked, you know, because yep. so I'm like, hands up. Brandon is next to me, and we're both like, no problema, no problema. That's the only word I knew how to say. And I'm like, no problema, no problema. <laughs> and the one at my window seemed, yeah, I think it was a woman, because I could see it in her eyes. She almost looked like a, she was a woman, because she kind of chilled with her gun, put her gun out. But the ones on the left side of the truck on Brandon, and I think, I don't know, Brandon mad dogged them or what, but they were getting angry. And uh, he's yelling with the machine gun, and the guy with the pistol just, he's, his finger's shaking, you know, like, He's, and he's aiming. He's got an eye closed, one down the barrel. Like, he's aiming at Brandon's head. And I'm like, Brandon, oh, he's going to kill you. I'm yeah. all, like, me, if I'd have been driving, I'd hit Were reverse. you actually saying that out loud? Were you like, Brandon, he's going to kill, kill you. you? Yes, but quietly. <laughs> I was quietly. I was like whispering, he's going to kill you, dude. He's going to kill you. Do something. You got to go, got to go, go. You know, and I'm like, I'm like, put your hands up, put your hands up. You know, and I'm like, and then the guy's yelling, and I, I must have understood him right. But I didn't know what he's saying. Yeah, and I, was, I think he's saying roll down your back windows because his back windows are limo tinted, and then he's got the camper shell on with limo tinted. Yeah, and I think they thought people were back there. Yeah, and like, so he rolled down those windows. They chilled out a little bit, but they're still yelling going on in the front between the Mexican guy of the ranch and the cartel member. Uh, eventually, about four minutes. It seemed like it might have been thirty seconds, but it seemed about four minutes. The guy that was in the window, everybody's looking at him. Like mm-hmm. if they say if they snap his fingers, says kill these dudes. Like, we all would have been toast. Like, they were waiting for him just to like, get him. Yeah. And yeah. we all been dead. So we're, I'm El thinking. Jefe. Yeah. So I'm thumbs like, up or not, thumbs down? <laughs> thumbs up or thumbs down. <laughs> Luckily, he's all, he did thumbs down. He kind of waved the main guy off. But the guy at the pistol wasn't still not coming off. Yeah. He was still, like, wanting to kill. And finally, this guy with the machine gun that was telling us to roll down the windows, he kind of like, hey, put your gun down to the guy. And so he did. And we took off. And. That night we got back to the ranch house and I loaded my backpack with my salt and my water, <laughs> my GPS. <laughs> Threw my away GPS. the underwear you had on. <laughs> <laughs> right? I talked. I, I, I basically was ready. And I told Brandon, I'm like, hey, if I hear someone rolling up, because we're only a couple miles from where it happened. And I'm oh, like, yeah. for some reason they get radio. I'm like, dude, why'd oh, you let them leave? There, yeah. 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 So I'm like, I'm ready to go out the why back. Why did you let the gringos <laughs> Why'd you let them go? So basically uh, – the conversation was going on between the guys was basically, hey, who are you? Why are you in here? And he's like, hey, I got Americans. They're hunters. And he's like, you need that permission. And he's like, this is my ranch. He goes, no, I don't care. This is your ranch. You got that permission. Yeah. So he's telling us we have to go to this town, talk to a cartel member to get permission to be in there. And they thought we were competing cartel. I guess there's a cartel oh, yeah. war going on right now. So they thought all these nice vehicles rolling up. Oh, They're thinking yeah. we're the cartel. So they, Mistaken identity. Right. And yeah. so basically they said, yeah, if you come back – down there, you, we need to know how many guys, how long, um, license plate numbers, and you'll be fine. Dang. So, anyways, we booked. So yeah. we're going back in January. That's probably. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Everybody's like, "You what?" And I'm like, <laughs> "We booked that monster bus there, though." <laughs> that's, yeah. that, that's the that's the diehard hunter in me because I'm like, "Oh, this has got to be a giant buck." Now the cartel's been protecting this area. <laughs> this got to be giant. Yeah. So hopefully the so, wife doesn't hear this podcast. No, yeah. you know. It's, what, it's funny. My, uh, my buddy's wife. All of your friends know, and family do not listen to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, my wife knows. I told her, I'm like, dude, I almost died. She's like, what? And, she, and then at the end, I'm like, and yeah, we booked. <laughs> She's like, you're an idiot. It's <laughs> like, you're not going back. I'm like, yes, I am. We're going to oh. kill the world record deer. <laughs> so, what's the buck? Tell me about this buck, this, yeah. this big buck. So, have. they're just saying there's, they think there's a big buck in there. And I glassed up a big buck in there a couple years ago. And, uh, I saw, and you know, it's it's a big deer. It's a coos deer. We're hunting coos whitetail. So there's yeah. little small ones, like I said, look like a dog with antlers. Yeah. Um, this is a big dog with antlers. Big dog with antlers. Yeah, <laughs> yes. with big antlers. So, yeah, that's uh, we haven't got to scout it yet. We want to go scout. I'm a little scared to go scout it now, but I'm, I kind of just want to show up for the hunt. 
Yeah. yeah. And take the Fieldcraft Survival Guys with me. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. That'd be good. We'll, we'll show yeah. up. I'll have you guys in the front and back, and I'll be in the center. Well, I mean, if it's on the border, we could set up a support by fire position and cover you with a 50 cal. You or know Kurt, I mean? like that. Kurt, Kurt could keister in a gun. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's good at keistering weapon right. systems. Right. M60. Right. Yeah. Like, people are like, oh, at least a when you. A fucking jet <laughs> in my ass. <laughs> Release the jet. A Harrier flies out of my butt and like, starts attacking everybody. I knew you were going to go down that. Road. A jet. You took it to a jet. Yeah. And I knew it. I knew it was happening. Um, oh gosh. Um, so uh, Ronnie, t- tell us. Uh, tell people how to get a hold of you. I know you got an email, and if like if somebody wants to guide, somebody want, has questions because I'm sure a yeah, lot of people it, have questions. Yeah, anybody that's looking to get into hunting, you can uh, you can hit me up on Instagram. You can direct message me on there. It's uh, Ruthard R U T N H A R D, and my email is Ronnie. R-O-N-N-I-E dot greatwestern at gmail.com. Yeah, I appreciate you yeah. being on the podcast, man. It's always good Thanks to learn from hunters who actually do it for real, and I hope um, Kurt and I can get the experience with you and um, videotape it. And we need to. I want to bad, man. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be awesome. Uh, you guys are welcome. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I appreciate it, man. Thanks yeah. for being on the podcast, hey, Thanks man. for having thanks, me. Thanks, brother. That was an amazing podcast with Ronnie Michael. That was. He is a boss he's a boss man he's been he's been around um and he knows his shiat um <laughs> this dude i mean he's i mean whether it's uh you know fighting in the cage and learning all that all, learning all the different uh, practices and applying it to his fighting career to what he's doing in hunting he's doing a lot of good stuff yeah absolutely man it was a pleasure to have him on yeah so you know this this uh podcast is is brought to you by a lot of sponsors but we also want to talk about stuff that we got going on with our own company Philcraft survival so uh, one of the first things I want to highlight is the fact that we have upcoming courses uh, that Kurt's lining out right now. What yeah, we, we do. So uh, we've got an everyday mobility course going on in uh, the first weekend of August, 4 or 5 August. And uh, that's going to be a mobility course where you come out and you bring, you know, the rig that you drive in. And, uh, you know, we're going to do a bunch of practical exercise where we teach you how to fight from your vehicle. Uh, we're going to teach you survival based off of our modern survival kit and how to use the items inside of that survival kit. But really, it gets back to, you know, the, the staples of survival, like we talk about water and fire and signaling and doing all these different things to make sure that, you know, in, in some of it's prim- primitive as far as bushcraft. Um, but we integrate technology as well. And we talk about all those things and it's, it's cool. We get to hang, you know, it's nothing stressful. It's a, it's a, it's a good two days. It's an overnighter. So we camp, we enjoy each other's company, have some beers, you know, talk about things just, uh, it's good. You know, I mean, we've, we've done these before and they typically go over really well with folks. So we wanted to run some more. So that's four or five, uh, August in, Phoenix. Um, we'll actually be hitting the Wickenburg area and some of those outlying areas that are a little bit better for off-road adventure. Uh, so we'll be doing that there. Um, and then we have a gunfighter carbine course coming up on the 26th of August. And uh, Mike and I will be present for that gunfighter carbine. Uh, we have several slots left for that. So don't miss out. Come get your gunfighter carbine on with Mike and I and Gun Fu will probably be there. And we'll have some other guys that, uh, that help out Fieldcraft. And so you get a chance to meet everybody and then uh, have a good time. And so basically the 25th, what we've done, we, we made a little bit of a modification to the all women's course because we want to make sure that we're not um, overwhelming people with information, I think is the best way to put it. And so we've cut that course down to one day. Um, we're going to lower the price point on the website <clears throat> and then, uh, you know, make sure that uh, that it's inviting enough that, that you know, we can get, uh, you know, 
the ladies that come in. We've got a female instructor, Heather Dobson, is going to be the primary instructor for firearms. I'll be helping with that. And our medic, Jay Sylvester, will also be involved. So basically what you're going to get in the course is you're going to get the basics of firearm safety. Uh, so there'll be, you know, some good dry fire practical exercises, some things like that happening, making sure that you understand how to handle the firearm safely, load, unload basics. And then you're going to get some practical exercises with shooting the firearm that you use for self-defense. And then uh, we're going to be doing some trauma med stuff um, where you're going to get the basics of trauma to treat yourself and, a fa- you know, your family members if you're a mama. And then uh, we're going to roll into finishing out that day with doing what we call a modern survival seminar. And Heather is actually going to help me instruct that portion of it, you know, because we want to make sure that the ladies are, are hearing from an experienced female that has a good background. So Heather was in law enforcement. She was, um, she's a certified firearms instructor. She's got a lot of experience in the field and she's been doing it a long time. And so she brings a different perspective, you know, that sometimes I think, men don't understand from a from a woman's point of view and so we want to empower women and we want to make sure that we provide a uh, you know a good environment for them to learn in um, so they come out competent and they can protect themselves or their families they may not have a husband in the house or a boyfriend or whatever right that you know the expectation is is that they're going to do the protecting well we know based off of what happens in the real world that that's not a realistic expectation so we want to make sure that we are giving people, you know, especially females, the ability to protect themselves. So I'm excited about that one. And I want to do that one more across the United States because I feel like, you know, several, uh, a lot of training companies that are out there don't provide that specific kind of uh, expertise. And so we, we really want to be able to do that. So this is the first one. It's going to be in Florence, Arizona, again, on the 25th of August, which is Saturday. And we hope that you sign up, ladies. Yep. Uh as far as product-wise, the EDM Go Light, I want to highlight that because it's the last week to pre-order it. By the time you hear this, you have probably a couple of days left. Um, we're not doing any more multicam. We'll probably get rid of the, the last bit of inventory on the multicam at a latter date, but the, the last time to save is this. So, yeah, the EDM Go Light panel pack is the is the is our Go bag that serves as a panel pack for the back of the seat, but also that you can convert into a Go bag, patent pending. Um, also... <laughs> Um, if you guys want to follow us, make sure you do follow us on our social media. We have uh, uh, the Phil Craft Survival channel on <laughs> YouTube. Uh, we also have Instagram at Phil Craft Survival. But also, if you guys want to tune in into our newsletters and things that um, Mason's putting out, Gun Foo's putting out, um, text survival, the actual word survival to 55498. The actual word, just text it to 55498. That's S-U-R-V-I-V-A-L. You spelled that right. I'm proud of you, yeah. man. You read it, though. I did. Um, so it, but that's a good thing. I can read I know. now. Yeah, so. <laughs> that's cool. And uh, so 55498, what that does is it gets you signed up for SMS releases. So if we're doing uh, coupon codes and deals, we'll release it sometimes that way. But another way is go philcraftsurvival.us and put your email in, and you get a newsletter. You get on a subscription list of tens of thousands of people who are subscribed and get some information, get some course updates. And, uh, and yeah, I think that's about it. <laughs> what that's else a, you got? That's a wrap. That's a wrap, man. We had a good day today. I'm uh, happy to be in the studio with Skillset. And I'm, I'm glad we're here, and I'm glad we have this uh, set up thanks to Gun Fu. And, uh, yeah, I'm truly blessed. <laughs> Time to hit the road before, before the traffic hits. Yeah, right. Yeah. All right, man. You got anything to say? We got to wrap it, right? Uh, you we didn't say do something. a stay alert, stay alive. Well, you, you just said it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Till next time. Stay alert. Stay alive. <laughs> <laughs>